the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, Amen. So, we had a really good discussion last week um, about the, the idea of loving our brethren, loving the people around us, and what that really means, and, and in a practical sense, um, I think the discussion was really interesting to see. We all agree love is important, and God is love, and like we, no one is going to say, oh, no, no, we don't have to love. But when it comes down to the practical loving in a tough situation, how do we handle it? And we saw that St. Peter, we, it's, it's always a reminder that he's talking to, he's talking in a very practical way. All of these things is very practical. This next part, as we finish, we're going to finish chapter 1 and enter into chapter 2. It's also a reminder of something very important, and this is a constant theme throughout the Gospels. Christ was talking about this a lot. A constant theme throughout the Apostles. Constant theme throughout all of the, the, the fathers about this next uh, part. So, um, if somebody can read from 22, I know we covered from 22, but 22 till um, the end uh, of the chapter 1. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the holy, all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of God endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Okay just finished talking about love and then he talks about something very important he says having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever so he starts off by saying focus on what lasts not the corruptible but the incorruptible right focusing on corruptible makes no sense it, it, it dies and it runs out and it doesn't it doesn't live forever the incorruptible lasts forever, right? Now, this verse that he, the, the next verse, verse twenty-four, is taken from Isaiah, chapter forty, where he talks about, and again, this is what I'm talking about—the message that is consistent throughout the age. It's what is he saying when he says, "All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of the grass." What does that mean? Why is he comparing us to grass? It's corruptible. Okay, meaning what? <coughs> like you could, I mean, you could destroy it in a way or... It ends. It's useless. It ends. The next line, the grass withers and its flowers fall away. It's not, like it looks beautiful, it's nice, right? But at the end of the day, it's it's nothing. Like we always have to think. Uh, we were just talking. I was talking to some of the youth, and one of the a lot of the struggles, and we all face these same struggles. Is like right now means the most to me. This is the most important time right now. Like I need these things in my life right now. But one thing we were talking about is at the end of the day, like at the end of our life, if you're rich, when you die, what do you take with you? Nothing. If you're poor and you die, what do you take with you? Nothing. So the grass, it could be the best grass in the world. It could be the best like maintained grass. At the end of the day, in, in Isaiah says, the grass withers. So even that nature that God created and God allows us to have, it dies. So the idea is, and it's, but the word of the Lord endures forever. 
Now, this is the word by which the gospel was preached. Why is his, why is his focus on that? The word of the Lord endures forever. Why? Why did he, why did he start talking about grass and then talk about the word of the Lord? So when 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 Saint John talks about the word, he's talking about who? God, God right? Christ. But in this, he's saying that the word, the word of the Lord endures forever. What is the word of the Lord? So the word of the Lord could be two things: Christ. Or, in this case, it's something else. It's what? The Bible. The Bible. And, and His <coughs> commandments. So, so, us following His commandments live forever. These words that were spoken with Adam and Eve how many thousands of years ago still mean something now. Still will mean something to the end of the world. So the word of the Lord endures forever is something even in our hymnology. If the church focuses on this, this concept of okay, what is going to last and what is going to uh, continue, um, and this is something very important, especially during this time of Lent. Our focus. Should always, it should always be on the incorruptible, not the corruptible. But especially during Lent, we have to focus on the incorruptible, not the corruptible. And that's why even fasting is put in front of us. That our, our, our eyes and our thoughts and our mind, food is corruptible. All these fruits, anything that's on that table, if you leave it for a while on that table, it's going to go bad. But they're so good right now. But eventually... They go back. The word of the Lord never goes back. And he's reminding them, as Christians, we need this. We need the Bible. And, and, I, and I think that's something that is easier said than done. I think that's something that's very important for us, that we always have to remember that we need the Bible. It's not something that God wants from us, it's something that we need. There's two ways, like, like it's not that we're following, okay, okay, God, I will do it. No. Same thing with liturgy. Same thing with anything. It's more that we need it. We need Him, we need the Bible, we need, because it, endure, it, it endures forever. It lasts forever. And if we follow it, we will also let live forever. Does that make sense? That the word of the Lord endures forever. If we follow the word of the Lord, we also endure forever. So that's, St. Peter is trying to get their mind off of the corruptible and into the incorruptible. Why is that hard? Why is this topic hard? Because we have to be. Because we're here. Because we're living here. So all everything around us is corruptible. So it's hard <coughs> to think about something that is not in front of us. Like one of the things that um, I'm interested to, 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 to learn more about during this time uh, like of parenthood uh, as we're starting, I'm curious to see how to uh, explain God to a child. I'm sure people here have, have, have done this, and, but the concept of God is even hard for us as adults. Now, explaining that to a child who everything only makes sense when you see them, when, like, like the child doesn't believe that the parents exist when they're in a different room. 
right? Like, un- I- until they get a little bit older and they realize, okay, they're in a room and the parents are in this place or the parents are away and they're coming back. Like, the child gets older. So, but how, how does a child understand the concept of something that is not in front of them and someone that cares about them that's not, that they might not see physically. And I think this is what he's trying to tell them here. Saying, focus on the incorruptible. Love. The lo- that's why he's ended with love, sincere love for the brethren. All of these things is incorruptible. And the word of the Lord endures forever. But don't worry about the other stuff. And it's a it's it's practice, it's practice, it's practice. You look at you look at the the monks from back like you know, even some monks now who when they leave, they leave. Like they are in a different uh, world. I'll I'll uh, share something um, uh, so I have a I have a a friend of mine who I grew up with in the East Coast. And uh, we used to hang out, we used to play basketball together, and we used to, you know, uh, be at each other's houses and serve together and all this stuff. One day, he's gone. And I'm like, what happened? So I contact a couple of, of his friends, and uh, we're like, what, what happened to so-and-so? And he's like, uh, he went to the monastery. And we're like, what? What do you mean he went to the monastery? To visit? Like, is he just on vacation? Like, uh, he's doing a trip? He's like, no. He's becoming a monk. We're like, okay. So we started uh, uh, talking. Like, we tried to reach him. Nothing. No phone, no nothing. So he went to a monastery. Not not in L.A., uh, another one. And, uh, and And he went to visit. And he stayed. And he became a... Uh, a monk after a couple of years no one knew anything we went to visit him and we stayed with him for, for a week or so and we talked to him and he's like I, I had made the decision I didn't want to share it with anyone because I want I didn't want anybody to stop me so that continued he continued 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 uh, two years ago now I'm a priest here and he was a, he was a, a monk somewhere else but he was assigned to a church. We ended up being at a retreat together. So I was like, how's everything going? And how's, how's life? And how, how has it been outside of the monastery? He said, what's the hardest thing? You know what he told me? He says, I don't know how to use a phone. Wow. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, back before he went to the monastery, it was a flip phone with buttons. <laughs> right? And the Nokia phones with the snake on it. And he said, now, I don't know how to get to places. And somebody told me, here you go, you need this phone, an iPhone. And now you need to use Google Maps. And he's like, and the phone's going to tell me where to go? Like, he, it was as if he was an alien from a different planet. And it really, and this is somebody I grew up with. This is not somebody like from Upper Egypt who like never saw like technology. No, this is somebody like. Upper Egypt. We're from Upper Egypt. No, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> but but it's not somebody who's never been, uh, never been a part of like. Like, American society grew up here, saw the tech. No, he was born and raised here. But what showed me was that when he dedicated his life, nothing mattered. Nothing mattered. And I think that's where we have to be able to reach in, in, in theory. Not in like, okay, uh, you know, cars are corruptible. I don't need cars. No. That's not what that's not what Saint Peter is saying. He's saying, have the corruptible things, but don't depend on them. Depend on the incorruptible things. Depend on love. Depend on the word of God, which endures forever. And he ends the chapter saying, now this is the word which by which by the gospel was preached to you. This is 
the message of the gospel. The gospel message is love. The gospel message is the rest of the world passes away. And the, and the gospel message is follow my command because that's what lasts. St. Peter is breaking it down right now and explaining and focusing on as Christians, we need to look at, <coughs> keep our eyes on Christ and His Word. Anybody have any comments or questions about that? Okay. So we're done with chapter 1. It only took uh, uh, you know, a, few, a few weeks. Um, so we're going to start chapter 2. Chapter 2, there's uh, a, a few uh, interesting uh, uh, points in the beginning. So if we can read, uh, if somebody can read chapter one, uh, chapter two, verses one through three. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay. Again, we see this key word here. He uses it a lot. A lot of the fathers use this word. Therefore. It's a split in the action. We talked about this before. It's, it's a split. That's why, remember, when the, when the Bible was uh, uh, written, all these books and letters, there was no chapters and verses. The, uh, St. Peter didn't write and then be like, okay, well, I think this is a separate chapter. No, no, no. This is one letter. But later on, people put, uh, this is like, I'm talking about very, very later on, like only maybe five, six hundred years ago only, is when we received verses and chapters. So, uh, in that idea, let's not think of, a, of, of chapters being split or anything like that, but here... <coughs> you notice that most chapters will start with a therefore. Uh, like, mo like anytime you see therefore, most of the time it's a start of a new passage or chapter or, you know, because it's a, it's a split in the mindset. So you say, now that I told you that the word, the word of the Lord endures forever and that grass withers and all this stuff, don't focus on the worldly stuff, including, like, you don't focus on the worldly stuff, the corruptible, but now also focus on laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking. Where do we see that? Everywhere. But specifically, this, this verse, we, 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 we say this when? It's in the liturgy. It's in the liturgy. It's in the liturgy. Anybody know what part of the liturgy? Huh? Nephron? No. Before that. Reconciliation. In order for us to be reconciled, that's it's the part where Abuna is holding up um, the the veil. He takes the seal off of the tomb, right? So the, the prosperine is put, that is symbolizing the tomb. And then the, that the, the veil that's on top. It's just a triangle. That veil is considered the seal that the, the Roman uh, government put on the tomb. So we take that off, right? And we hold that, and then what happens across from him? The deacon with the cross. And the cross has to be held up. And the priest covers his face with that veil. So because, remember, this is, the whole passage on reconciliation. So as of this point, this is a story of reconciliation. And we're not reconciled with Christ. Because before, before, um, before the crucifixion and resurrection, we were not reconciled. We were all not going to be living with God if we if we pass, anybody who lived in the Old Testament, when they passed, they went to Hades. Right? There was no... Christ, God became man, 
was incarnate, became man, taught us the ways of salvation, was crucified, resurrected, ascended. All of this process was our reconciliation. So when the priest is saying, according to your goodwill, O God, fill our hearts with your peace. Cleanse us from all guile, all hypocrisy, all, all of these things. If you notice, this is where we get it from. So these things, and then what happens at the end? What's the last thing the priest says? In Christ Jesus. Right? Once he says, in Christ Jesus, the priest lets go of one, of one side. So now it like swings down this way. Like if I'm holding a veil, let go, it swings down this way. I'm holding the cross too. I'm doing all this with the cross in my hand. Usually the priest is not holding the cross. But he's holding this. And he lets go. And then, and then what? Oh no, he doesn't hold the cross. Because the cross is in front of you. Sorry, the cross, the, the, the deacon is holding the cross. So you're letting go. Once you let go, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because in that moment, the veil is broken. And we take, the deacon helps with uh, removing the prosperine. What is happening now? What is the deacon saying? Greet one another. Because now that we are reconciled with God, we are also recon reconciling with each other. Without any malice, any hypocrisy, any envy, any deceit, and, and all evil speaking. So this, so the, the idea of this is we cannot be growing Christians and doing all of these things. Because these things keep us away from real reconciliation between us and God and us and each other. If you notice all of these things, what do they all have in common? Huh? Pride. Pride, okay. What else? Sin. Huh? Sin. They're all sin, absolutely. Something else. There's no love. They're all missing love. If you're a hypocrite, you're missing love. If your uh, malice, evil intention, deceit, you're missing love. Right? All evil speaking, opposite of love. What else? There's one more thing in common. Who are these done to? Each other. Right? These are all done in, like, to each other. People to people. Yeah, like gossiping. No one gossips about God. No one gossips. You're gossiping about each other, right? We gossip about each other. Malice, evil intention. It's, you know, what is my intention when I'm talking to somebody? All of these are in a person's heart as well. They're stemmed from inside. Like, where does intention come from? Intention doesn't come from the outside. It's everything from everything within. Hypocrisy, right? The same thing, hypocrisy. When you're when you're even in the purest purest form of a Christian, there is none of these. Christ shows us that this is not the way to live. Even when people were disrespecting him, he had no bad intention. Like, even when they trapped him in questions, we're going to see, as you read along in Holy Week, some of the stuff was intense. And they're trying to trick him in so many ways. They're trying to trick him in so many ways. For example, the question about, um, they're like, you know what? Who should we pay taxes to? And he said, like, what was their intention at the time? To trap him. To trap him. They wanted to catch him so they could feel like, aha, like we have something against him. Now we can bring him to Caesar and like 
he's he's disobeying the law, right? Call the IRS on him, like you know, you get him into a lot of trouble. So, how did he respond? Go get the coin. Go into the water. Open. Get the co- like. It was like a whole like system. Get the coin, and tell me who's on the coin. And they said Caesar. Very easy, calmly. He said, "Give to Caesar. What is Caesar's? But give to God. What is God's?" And 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 this the idea of it is that all of these things, malice deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, none of them will happen if we're living a godly life. These are things that we can actually check. Because I can check my deceit. Am I trying to be deceitful? Am I trying to trick my way into something? Am I... Being a hypocrite, am I telling people to stop doing something that I'm doing? Or to do something that I don't do? You have, these are easy to see. Like, these are the types of things that are easy to see. And like, and like Jack mentioned, they're missing love. Because if love was there, love and, uh, and, and evil intention, malice, cannot be there. They can't both be in, in the same place. Any questions about that? Okay, he continues. He says, as newborn babes. I wanted to stop before that for a reason. Because all of those things we talked about as, as, as adults, right? But he says, as newborn babes, desire pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. What is he talking about? Pure. A newborn babe. No evil intention, no malice, no no hypocrisy, no anything like that. Why? They're newborn. They have. There's nothing. They're figuring out life. But what does the baby only need? Nourishment. Nourishment. They need. It says desire the pure milk of the word. The same way that the baby, all they can do, we'll see what happens, but all, all they can do is cry for milk. That's it. Like, that's their goal. Right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm the least person I can speak about this, but... You would have your way. I know. I'll update everybody when I when I find out. But um, but the idea is, like from my understanding, and please, parents, correct me if I'm wrong. The child will cry to be fed, to be changed, and to to, to sleep most of the time. Obviously, there's other things, discomfort or whatever. Like this, all comes into play. But usually. It's because of hunger. It's because of a need. And what do they desire? They desire milk. They desire this to be fed, to be nourished. This is what he's saying. Go back to being a baby. Go back to that point where you're so uncomfortable and your only desire is to be fed. And he's saying the pure milk of the word. Why? Why did he compare the word of God to pure milk? Why did he use the term? He said he's saying here. He says, the, "Why does he does, why does he compare pure milk and the word of God?" He says, "As the newborn baby desires pure milk of the word of God." Why? Why did he compare pure milk and the word of God? To grow. It's that's it. That. A child will grow when they have milk. That's how you grow. The only way a Christian will grow is in the Bible. And and it's beautiful how St. Uh, Peter talks about it here. Because it's not... This is, a, this is something that has happened over the years. That the Bible has become... 
a resource God. No one disrespects the Bible. I'm not, every Christian loves and cares about the Bible. But let the Bible stay over here. I'm going to do my thing. Oh, I have to give a lesson? Okay, I run to the Bible. Oh, I have to, uh, I have to defend something? I go to the Bible. I want to hear a story? I go to the Bible. No. This becomes not optional, but the only source of life. And everything that is, is in here should be planted in here that allows me to live my life. Many people talk about um, uh, the church and they'll question, be like, wait, where does it say this in the, in the Bible? Everything's in there. Everything is in there. Maybe not the same exact words. You won't see the word liturgy in the Bible. Like that word is not found in the Bible. But how do we know liturgies in the Bible? Hmm? Praying in one accord. Praying in one accord. What else? Offering sacrifices. The offering sacrifices. What else? Christ himself. Christ himself. The, the, the Take eat of it, all of you. Yeah, from this eat, is my body. Eat my body. Eat, eat my body. Drink my blood. Like so, everything got developed and developed over time. But everything is Bible based. Some churches say, "Oh, the Orthodox aren't Bible based. They're tradition based." That's absolutely, completely wrong. Everything is biblical. Every our core is so our core is Christ. He's the Word. This is the Word. We go to we go back to here. That's what so so he's saying as a newborn child, the newborn child doesn't care about anything. He's trying to grow, trying to understand life. Saying as we should go back to being as a newborn child. Who else says that? Huh? Saint Paul? No. Jesus. Well, St. Paul uses different examples of it, but Christ himself. Yeah. Christ himself. Come as little children. Be as little children. Why? Yeah. Why? Pure. Pure. Like, uh, no evil intention. None of these things are there in children. As they grow, they're exposed. As they grow, they pick up things. As they grow, they start having desires that are away from God. That happens to all of us, everyone. But it's the idea of going back to these initial uh, things that Christ gave us. This, the pure, as pure milk. So, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The only way to continue growing is to the Bible. But also to understand that the Lord is very gracious. The Lord will give. The Lord will provide. The Lord will, will provide for you. Again, going back to the example of the newborn. The newborn will continue to desire milk, desire to, to grow. But then he, he builds a trust and an understanding that his parents care about him. That's what we need. We need to continue to grow. And he's telling St. Peter, uh, St. Peter's telling the people, know that the Lord is gracious. You don't need that other stuff. I think one of our biggest struggles is depending on ourselves because it's scary to depend on God. Like, we'll, we'll, I, like we'll tell God, please God, be with us. You know, help me through this situation. But please choose A or B or C. You have those three options. God, do whatever you want. Like, it's not up to us to give him options. It's up to him 
to not even give us all, just tell us what to do. Right? Just tell us what to do. And, and I think uh, like that is one of the hardest things because it's like it requires a lot of trust to be like, okay, God, whatever you want. But at the same time, uh, we give you options. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we have to we have to stop the whole options thing because it's when I pray when we pray every day we say let your uh, um, your will be done your will be done on earth as it is in heaven his will is done in heaven it's not like the angels give him options his will is done in heaven his will we're asking for his will to be done here. So understanding that the Lord is gracious will help us uh, grow into that. Any questions or comments about that? So, yeah, go ahead. I just want to share something from Please. last week. Mm -hmm. um, when George was talking about his parents, mm -hmm. the way they responded yeah. to this woman that came in mm -hmm. that was so belligerent toward them. Sure. And I have to be honest, when he was saying that, I said, I would never do that. Mm -hmm. If somebody, you know, did that to me, I would just dismiss them and mm -hmm. they would have to leave. And God convicted me this week and he was saying, he reminded me of the scripture that talks about when you love your enemies, you put coals of fire. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that the coals of fire was, you know, like a punishment for them. Mm -hmm. And the revelation that I got is the coals of fire is love, which purifies them. So I wanted to say thank oh, you for teaching that. Oh, no, thank God. Um, no, these, yeah. <laughs> love will conquer all yeah. this. If, if love is there, will there any, be any malice, any evil intention, any, anything? And love can also transform the people right. that are doing that. Like, I think a struggle that we may have is somebody gives us an attitude, somebody does something to us, our automatic response, we have revenge. to, huh? Revenge. revenge. We have to get back at them. I'm not going to just be a, a pushover and let somebody do whatever they want to me. But God doesn't say be a pushover. He says respond, but with love. And that response with love potentially will change the whole situation. Obviously, it can continue. Because we all know, again, God could be doing this for a different reason. We don't know. But in the example that George gave, exactly, it didn't make sense. Why would you be not? No. But that love is what... So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, you can't have love and evil. You can't. So if we feel that there is evil around us, Bad intention, bad intention, hypocrisy, malice, anything, that's what we should pray more. That's what we should love more. Not love less. It's, 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 I, I always go back to this. I see people who respond to evil, in, evil intention, evil things happening with love, and I say that those people are more powerful than anyone else. The mom of the children who died in the, one of the attacks in Egypt. And she's, say, she's saying, the interviewer is asking them, what, do you, you know, what would you say to this person? And says, I would tell them I love them and please uh, come back, come and I will, you know, I will tell them, I will hug them and I will say, Habibi, I will, you know, like, and I'm like, what are you talking about? But it gives me chills. And there's so many of this. Like, there's a little girl that did the same thing. Her brother was, was also martyred. Like, but it doesn't have to reach that extreme. Sometimes people are bad to us at work. People are bad to us in school. People are bad to us uh, with our, with our uh, friends. People are just whatever. How do we respond? Society tells us an eye for an eye. Somebody punches me, you punch them right back. Somebody yells at me, you yell at them right back. Somebody uses bad language, figure out another word or other language to, to get back at them. 
But Christ is saying, no. Turn the other cheek. Love conquers all. Love will remove all of this stuff. So thank you for uh, uh, sharing. Now this part is an interesting uh, uh, part. So if we can read, um, if somebody can read from uh, four, four and five. Come to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. What is he saying? Like the cornerstone that the builders rejected, right? Okay. So, who's he talking about? Though? Christ. No. Who's coming to him? Well, us. We're us. We're coming to, to him as a living stone. Okay? So we're the ones who... He's calling us living stones, right? Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Why is he saying we're rejected? If we're following Christ, people are That is a key part to St. Peter's message here. He's trying to explain to us it's important. If you're being rejected, meaning if you're not like everyone else, you're fine. You're good. Because it's not about being different. God doesn't just want us to be all different. But He wants us to follow Him. So if the world is not following Him, you will be rejected. But He's giving us this sense of like um, peace to know that we are chosen for that. So living a godly life is very hard. Is very um, is a struggle. And guess what? You're not going to be looked at the same by everybody else. There's going to be a level of people are going to think that we're weird. People are going to reject you. 100%. Sometimes uh, you're going to be um, you're doing something and people are doing something else and because you're not doing what the people are doing you're rejected. That is a very hard thing for us. We don't want... We, we, we are from, from, from birth, we're trying to fit in. Elementary school kids are trying to fit in. Junior high school kids are trying to fit in. High school kids are trying to fit in. College, we are trying to fit in. This is a process. We always have to remember who we're trying to fit into. We're trying to fit in Christ, or you're trying to fit with society. Fitting in is not the problem. Fitting in is not the problem. Who are you trying to fit in with is the problem. Does that make sense? So he's saying, he's giving, uh, like when St. Peter is saying, you're chosen by God, you're rejected. These people were rejected. The Christians back then, we're rejected more than anyone else. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. That's why he's using the terms living stones. Why? He's building us up. He's building us up. Living stones. Again, it's a little bit of an oxymoron. Stones are stones. They're not alive. But he's calling us living stones because we're building... We're building ourselves. We're building each other. We become spiritual houses. Each one of us becomes a spiritual house. And when we're all together, we also become spiritual houses and a community of spiritual houses. So it's constant building. Now here's the tough part. And we'll, we're going to talk uh, about this for the rest of the time. 
a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so you just call this living stones, I get it. Spiritual houses, I get it. Now I'm going to tell you what St. Peter is sharing is, guess what, congratulations, you're all priests. What, what is he saying? Why did he say that you're, you're a holy priesthood? A holy priesthood. What is this? It's priests offer sacrifices, so if we offer ourselves as a sacrifice. The concept of priesthood, the same way we, are, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we're all called to be saints. Now, he's saying we're all called to be priests. This is different than this type of priesthood. This is not like this type of priesthood. This is not the ordained priesthood. But that we are all called to be priests. Men and women. Why? Because priests offer, that's the only thing that they have. They offer themselves, they offer they, 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 they offer a sacrifice in the form of bread and wine. They offer it up to God. And God changes the bread and the wine into His body and blood. And then offers it to the people, to the congregation. And offers a word from God. All, everything is offered, offered, offered. This, this theme of offering has been um, playing in my heart a lot recently, and this idea that we can only offer what God gives us, right? Like, I can't offer something I don't have. Like, that would be weird if if Cindy says, hey guys, anybody want water? And we said, yeah, and then Cindy's like, sorry, there's no water. <laughs> like, doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Right? So we can't offer anything that God hasn't given to us. But we have to be, God is willing. So we are called, this is a constant theme. St. Peter talks about a lot. St. Paul touches upon it. This idea of being priests. We are called to be priests. I remember... um, uh, I was asked to go speak to uh, one of the Coptic clubs and they were doing a series on sacraments. And one of the, the, the I got chosen for priesthood. I was like, I don't know anything about priesthood. But all I know is that the priesthood here that St. Peter's talking about is something for all of us. Because what we're called to do is offer up our lives. That's what a priest does. And he calls it a holy priesthood to offer up what? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This idea is what we're all supposed to be doing. Now, what is a spiritual sacrifice? What can a spiritual sacrifice be? Time in prayer, time in meditating, time in just growing with Christ. Absolutely. What else? Your soul. Everything. Everything around us. My time. My reading. My my heart. My soul. My mind. Our role is to sacrifice that. To God. What else can we sacrifice? Oh, what, sorry. What else can we offer to God? Our body also. Our body. How do we offer our body? To serve other people. To serve. We, prayer, talking. Absolutely. Any kind of service. Absolutely. Time. We, we offer time. We offer time. We offer effort. We offer. We offer prayers for each other. Right. Again, go back to what uh, priests. When we see, when we talk to priests, we ask them to pray for us or put our names 
on the altar. We now as priests, you've all been ordained because you all came today. You all <laughs> so you're all priests. Now that you're priests, we should also pray for each other. There's no you're not gonna give communion, but you pray for the people so that God can work in their in their lives. Without praying, we're not we're nothing. We're nothing. Prayer, uh, one way to, 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 that um, helps us remember what prayer is, think of a plug. My phone needs to be charged. I need to plug it in. If I leave my phone without being charged for an extended period of time, my phone is dead. It's useless. It's completely useless. Might as well not have it. Everything is like that. So I think... The more we think of this idea of priesthood, of us being priests, to offer up spiritual sacrifice. He's not talking to the ordained priests here. He's talking to us as Christians. And this topic comes up again, but, but we'll, we'll cover it when it comes. But I, I don't know if it comes up again in this, in this book, but it comes up multiple times. Because the idea, who started the idea of priesthood? No, the idea of priesthood, God. In the Old Testament. Like even today in the Sinexar, today is uh, the departure of Aaron the priest. He was part of the Levites. These Levites were a group of people. What, what kind of people were they? They were ordained, they were set aside. They were, but they were responsible for the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. That's their, that was their role. And this idea of the priesthood, Christ became Christ is the the ultimate priest. He offered himself up. He he himself offered himself in total, like to the point of death. That's the hymn that we say, "Fight uh, of Enf." That's that's what the hymn is about. That he offered himself. So this idea of priesthood for us is for us also to. Um, offer ourselves. Uh, any questions? Okay, and glory be to God forever. Amen. <laughs>